0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Creative Collaboration Show. Chuck Anderson here, uh, your host, and I am joined by another amazing guest. And uh, as you know, uh, our listeners are business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, people on a heart-centered mission, trying to do good things in the world, but also trying to build and scale and grow their business now sometimes when we're on that path and on that journey uh i mean you could really take two people you could give them the same set of instructions one will succeed enormously and the other one not so much and so why is it that you can take two people give them the exact set of instructions and one succeeds in a big way, and the other one struggles and struggles and struggles. That is what we're going to dive deep into here today, and I am uh, honoured to have Dan Silberberg here with me today. Dan, welcome to the program.
1: Chuck, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be here.
0: Well, I'm I'm honoured to have you here as well, and uh, like I said in my intro, we're going to talk about why this happens, you know, why... Uh, why you can take two entrepreneurs, two business owners, give them the same set of instructions, and one will succeed in a big way, and other ones won't. And I know this is the thing that you do uh, in your business. And you know we're chain, you know, looking at mindsets, we're looking at paradigms, all of that. Uh, let's let's start with a little bit of you know an introduction about you, uh, your background, and and uh, how it came to be that you're you're speaking on this topic, and then we'll dive deep.
1: Yeah, perfect. So I am approaching 74 years of age. I spent 40 years in business. I worked in the Fortune 500 and ran large business segments, uh, became a CEO in my early 30s. I did five startups. I've got an M&A background. I have a technology background with EDS and Oracle. I have a business consulting background in McKinsey Methodology and A.T. Kearney. So I've seen a lot of movies. And I started my personal journey in 1982. I was trained by Werner Erhard, who was the founder of the Est Movement. That became the forum, which became landmark. It's still out there today. And I've been, I think, since about 12 years old, on a search for truth in my own growth and development. So I have worked with different groups and men's groups, particularly probably facilitating, educating, and training over 20,000 individuals in my career. And um, at this stage, I'm in in a legacy kind of a position, and I have now an international leader consultancy, and my moonshot is to train the next generation of leaders. So in order to become a leader, You actually have to know who you are, right? And uh, so that's really the work. It's this unmasking of each of us. So why do certain people thrive and other people don't? Well, we have what I call a default paradigm, or to put it in easy terms, we have an operating system, a default operating system downloaded into us by mom, primary caregiver, family of blood, extended family, early education, spiritual practices and beliefs, and then culture and institutional norms. So between our ages of zero and 10, the human being has no analytic filter. It's basically what's called a sentient being. We sense things, we feel things, we interpret the world. But we have no analytic filter. So when someone gives us a belief and we go, wait a minute, I don't believe that, then we have no way of getting rid of it. It becomes embedded in us. It goes to our subconscious, which is why it's a default. So I don't know if you've ever driven from your house to the grocery store and you've just parked and you sort of go, how did I get here? You didn't need to know the street names. You didn't need to look at the GPS it's a a default. It just goes like that. Or you're driving and you've just bought yourself a brand new red Mustang. And all of a sudden, as you're driving on the highway, you see every red Mustang that comes along and you never saw them before. So when we look at the world, we each have a lens on it and we each have a perceptual intelligence. So let's talk about how we get raised. So when we come into the world, we're in a survival mode. If we don't get our diaper changed, if we don't get fed properly, if we're not kept kept warm, we probably don't survive. And so we are sensing and feeling, is our world safe? So if you're in a house with a lot of noise and banging and you're crying to be fed and no one shows up for a half an hour, or you're cooling to mom or whoever the caregiver is and you're smiling and you're hoping to get that reflected back and you know mom's got nine things on her mind and the doorbell's ringing and the phone is ringing and she's like the last thing i can do kid is smile at you and we start to gain a sense of is the world a safe place am i in a survival mode or am i in trust mode and within that little game of survival to trust that's our aliveness. Hmm. Right? Then we get to our terrible twos and we start to experiment. But every 20 seconds, we're told no, 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 no. Some of us are rebels and we and rebellious, that's me. And somehow I figured out how to move beyond that, but a lot of people don't. And so they get in a mode of just tell me what to do. That's not empowering. It's not playful, it's not spontaneous, but it's safe.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, how many times did we hear that growing up? I mean, it was constant for for probably for the first four or five years and beyond, but uh, you hear it a lot in those first five years.
1: Yeah, every 20 seconds. And when you're in the terrible twos, what's really going on is you're starting to, you want the safety of mom, but you want to experiment. So you hold on to the apron and you go a couple of feet and you look back and mom's still cooking. So you go back and touch the apron and now you go further and eventually you go out of the room. But then mom follows you. Don't touch that. I told you, don't do that. Go to your room. Take a time out. No, I told you not to do that. And that reinforcement over and over and over is just the beginning of how society begins to bleed out who we really are.
0: Mm-hmm. And so here we are people that have been uh conditioned this way from a very early age trying to run a business and so what so what what are you noticing is happening uh as people try to run their business but they still have these beliefs and this conditioning running for them.
1: Right. So there's a couple of things that I seem to encounter um over and over and over. So I'd love to tell everybody that that you're really unique in your beliefs, but you're probably not. But so there's this thing called imposter syndrome. And the funny thing about an imposter syndrome is the only people who have it are highly successful people. And somehow they can't understand mm. that they've been on this journey of achievement all the way along performing. And there's this egoic little thing that goes in there called, and you got that job? you're you're not worthy of that you don't deserve that who do you think you are right or I have a boss and he's somebody who tends to sit in the background so he doesn't really confront he doesn't really have honest conversation he doesn't really tell the team what he wants and what happens out of that is he becomes less trustworthy Now the team has more of a toxic culture because even when they come to him or her and they say, this is going on, rather than that person stepping up, they just kind of go, well, we'll see how it works out. Yeah. And all of this comes out of our background. So let me give you an example. You're a little boy or a little girl. You're about six or seven years old. Dad comes home on Friday night. He stopped at the bar to have some drinks with friends. He's actually a mean drunk. He's really loud when he comes in the door. There's a lot of yelling going on. Maybe there's even some throwing of of stuff. So mom says to you, Chuck, I'm going to feed you dinner. I want you to go to your room. I don't want you to come out till Saturday morning. So you go, it's a brilliant strategy for a child to be safe and secure. But what happens is Chuck becomes invisible in the family. And Chuck doesn't have a voice because he wants to hide. So dad and his anger don't show up. Well, now he's in a business, right? And he's brilliant. And he's got great ideas. And he sits in the back of the room. He's pretty invisible. Doesn't say anything unless he's called on and yet wants to move up a ladder. So as a leader, it's important for me to understand somewhat of your background, how you operate, what's your default. And then as my little you know, background says, there is an inner side of genius. So as a leader, when I hired you, I had to have seen something. So as a belief system, I'm alone and on my own. If I don't do it myself, it won't get done properly. I'm a perfectionist. No one meets my standard. I'm now a manager. And what do you think my team thinks of me? Oh, by the way, I take credit and I blame. 70% of people today are unengaged at the workforce. Why? Because these default systems create ways of operating in the world that were genius. As kids, because you survived, and highly maladaptive to be an adult in the world.
0: Wow, and and so we we not even realizing that this is happening. We're bringing this to our business, and then wondering where's the results, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, so what uh, you know, what, what would you say to someone listening in right now? I mean, I mean, I. Think that one of the keys to changing this is awareness that this is even happening, mm-hmm. and some might be listening in, going, "Okay, yeah, that sounds like me," and others might be going, um, "This is the first time I'm hearing this," and you know, again, they're still developing that awareness. What what what's your advice to people listening in who, you know, they're running their business, um, maybe? Th- like you said i mean it 's successful people. I love that, and I never heard that before it 's really successful people that have imposter syndrome and that's uh that's a really interesting way to look at it but uh what what's your advice to them in terms of becoming aware of What is really going on for them? I mean, as business owners, we're always looking at the next tactic or the strategic plan and setting goals and, you know, our three to five year vision and all of those things. And, you know, those are all out here. Mm -hmm. Uh, At what point do we look inward and become aware of how that is contributing to our result?
1: Yeah, well, that's an interesting question, because if you go to MBA school or business school or you're in finance or you're just in undergrad biz, we'll teach you about spreadsheets, we'll teach you about finance, we'll teach you about capital assets, economics, micro macro, all of that. But we don't really spend time on who are you as a human being. And so it's really working with someone, I guess, like myself, not to be too self-aggrandizing, who having gone through these processes, you know, can work with individual leaders. And so one of the things that that I do is to have you actually understand a paradigm. So I'll give you one of mine. In my family, for some reason, there were four boys and I was the chosen one. I was put on a pedestal. Everything about me was perfect. I was the favorite grandchild to the extended family. And I got lots of things out of that. But I also got some negative things out of it. It actually kept me away from deeper connection and relationship with my brother. It had me thinking, I'm a perfectionist. I have to do it myself. But the real negative is that in order for me to be accepted and maintain, I have to be an achiever. Now, there's a downside to that. The positive side was I was highly energized. I was extremely ambitious. I went for what I wanted. I created this life, but I also had this void of, but I'm not connected. I'm neither connected to myself in a, in a truthful way. And so the behavior out of that is you can get a PhD in education. I actually was a grade above PhD. Default, blame, obfuscate, never take responsibility for anything and failure wasn't allowed to show up even when it was showing up. That's a pretty dysfunctional way of being. Talented enough to go up the ladder, but actually capped in terms of becoming like, for example, the CEO of a publicly traded company. So I was told early on in my 40s, you're amazing. And the way you operate, You'll never be able to be the CEO of one of those because you're too disruptive. You know, you're too out of control kind of a thing. So I learned then how to be grounded and centered and in my being by doing a lot of work and process. And that's that's really what's exciting. So what happens in the world today is we read Brené Brown and we read Simon Sinek and we read Seth Godin and we read the influencers this is not a way they did their work that's why they're writing interesting to know the information but it's the process of doing the work that gets you to who am i and that's that it's courageous audacious painful (laughs) um one of you know one of the things that's really interesting is that in my men's group work is taking men to the graveyard and they're like what the hell am i doing here either my parents are alive or my parents died why am i here if we are going to move into owning who we truly are we have to exhume all those parts of ourselves that we buried early in our lives to be acceptable to be lovable not to be abandoned to fit in all of those kinds of things and so when we're leading a business it's pretty hard to be holistic with yourself when half of it's sitting over there
0: that's really interesting um and so what uh again bringing this back to i mean because i always get asked i mean okay great now what do i do (laughs) right how do i discover this and maybe this is a good time to talk about your webinar because uh the the you know one of the next steps someone can take to if they're resonating with what you're saying right now is is to go and 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 really start to learn about these things in depth. What are some of the influences? What are some of my patterns? What are some of the things that, you know, what are my values? What uh what are the things that really drive my actions, all of these things that you're talking about here And uh, you want to tell everybody a little bit about more of that webinar. And by the way, uh, anyone listening in, I'll have a link to it just beneath this video or in the podcast show notes. And you you want to learn more from Dan. And We still have lots more show to go, but I just want to make sure we get that in because it seemed like a good time for that, Dan.
1: Yeah, great. Thanks. So um, in mid-October, we're going to be doing a webinar called the Paradigm Shift. And that'll be a 90-minute event and basically walking people through what's a paradigm, how does it form? How does it get reinforced and how does it get sealed? And that's the first part. And then we end up doing a mapping, right? So what are your beliefs? What are your strategies, behaviors, motivations? What kind of outcomes are you getting? Are you getting the outcome that you want? or are you self-sabotaging, right? So all of those kinds of things will be covered in the webinar. And then in November, we're going to be doing a two-day workshop where we actually map individuals' paradigms with them. And Mm -hmm. so there's breakouts and there's, it's a very experience. This is not, I'm gonna teach you all about this stuff that I'm talking about. I don't, you don't need to know all of it. You need to be in the experience. So when we think about who we are, it's our experiences that create memories. And when you ask someone, what was the happiest time when you were five years old? Oh, I got a bicycle, or my dad took me to the football game, or how do we remember all that? We remember because those experiences created a memory, and that memory is what reinforces who we are. Mm -hmm. So the the webinar will be a, a wonderful introduction into how all of this works. And paradigm identification and getting to the new paradigm works with everybody. Mm-hmm.
0: And what would you say to the business owners, the entrepreneurs, the coaches that are listening in right now, what, what what would be their primary reason for doing this? I mean, bringing it back and connecting the dots to doing this work, which I think is extremely important work. I've done some degree of that work myself. and. It, it's a lifelong journey. It's never, ever, ever done. And there's always another layer, <laughs> as I'm finding. Uh, but, you know, let's connect the dots between doing that work. And uh, I mean, maybe there is a result that they are trying to achieve, that maybe has been eluding l- them for a while. And uh, but then what could they expect in terms of doing some of this discovery work and then connecting the dots to make a new result that they could potentially experience in their business?
1: Yep. So that's a really interesting question. So what you've identified and what is traditional leader development is set up in a context of a business. I don't do that. I set up who are you as a leader to have a spectacular life? So who are you with your spouse, your partner, your children, your family, your religious and spiritual Your who are you out in your community? Who are you in your school system if you've got young kids? And what are you bringing out in the world? So when we look at the workforce today, one of the things we hear from CEOs over and over and over, most of whom are over 50, I can't get these guys to do anything. I can't get the Z's and the millennials. And yeah, because you're up here in your analytic mind, and they're here in their hearts, they want meaning, they want purposeful work, they want to be accepted for who they are. You can't ex- I can't accept you, Chuck, for who you are to a degree any more than I accept who I am. So if I'm avoiding myself, if I'm always putting myself down, I'm going to do that with other, I'm going to put my workers down. More importantly, your workers are going to be upping their game they are going to look to become better leaders they are going to look to have more meaning and they will outgrow you and guess what it's the best people who leave it's not the ones that are afraid that'll sit there until the you know hell freezes over and so when you think about that why do you want to do it number one is why are you here why did you choose to come to the universe now and what was the gift that you came here to deliver? And I guarantee you, it wasn't to improve your bottom line by 5%, right? So yeah. when I look at this, I'm at a point of meaning and legacy. I'm at a point of, I've had an extraordinary life with amazing opportunities. Why would I want to leave without delivering back some of the gifts that I've been able to get to as a mentor, as a teacher, as a philosopher, all of these kinds of things that make sense. And so what happens is you start to bring the bricks down of the wall, you start to unmask who you are, and as you show up authentically, it gives permission of your workforce to do the same. And it's in this vulnerability that real innovation happens. So if you're a leader in a business, I want you to be more out in the world with your leading, but if it's in a business, Is it park your brain at the door? Do as you're told, fear-based, right? If we like you, we'll keep you. If we don't, we won't. All of these, these are all part of culture and business norms. They're not serving the workforce right now. We have a very upset economic environment right now. Things have changed and a lot of leaders in business are still doing the old analytic spreadsheet driven by Wall Street. That is not going to be a fulfilling life for the next decade. Mm.
0: You know, it's 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 interesting, Dan, because it makes me think of everyone that I've ever worked with in the last almost three decades of, you know, coaching thousands of people how to, you know, primarily work with their online businesses uh, and but but coaching them on their businesses nonetheless. And one of the questions that I commonly ask people that I work with is why do you want why do you want to build your business what's your what's your why what's what's your reason for growing this business and inevitably it's not and, and well amazingly actually the uh the answer is not because i want to make a gazillion dollars it's because i want to provide a better life for my partner or i want to provide another a better life for my kids or we want to go on vacations and uh and i would say 99% of the time that answer to why are they building the business involves some sort of personal relationship and their desire to have a better relationship with that person and ironically the work that they do in their business often gets them the opposite result and that is less time with that person a less connected relationship with that person because the business takes them away from that is is that something that you've experienced or or noticed as well. And uh, in terms of, you know, why why the people you work with are, are involved in business at all?
1: Yeah. So what happens is we go into business and we want all these things you just talked about, but then all of a sudden, because we're not around and the relationship starts to fray, we stay at the office longer because it's safer and it's it's actually, I don't have the conflict that I have when I go home, right? Because I haven't done a good job of work-life balance, right? I tend to run a business and all of a sudden I'm chasing every silver shiny object rather than what are the three things that would leverage my business exponentially to greatness, right? And we get caught up in the fray all of a sudden, the business is is collapsing on us and we're suffocating, but we're going to stay no matter what. And all of a sudden, the family suffers and it, it's not a very healthy kind of a thing. So if you're going to be running a business, again, who am I? What am I doing this for? Do I need to bring in someone else? Do I need not to be the CEO? Maybe I'd be great in the marketing department, but I should get a CEO who can do maybe what I'm not trained for. An entrepreneur, in my experience, can probably put their arms around a business up to about 50 million and tell everybody what to do. But if you want to go from 50 to 100 to 150 systems and processes, Things that are repeatable, automated, have to start to play. That's not everybody's skill set, right? Now you want to go from 100 million to 500 million over a period of time. It just depends on what the size of your business is and what you want out of it. But if you're doing all the work, then you have a job. You don't have a business. If you're a solopreneur, you have a job. You don't have a business. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it that keeps us from wanting other people to join in? What is it that keeps us from asking for things? That's a huge thing for a lot of people. I don't ask. The world, no one wants to help me. They don't want to see me be successful. I don't want to get the rejection of a no. And that's a way of operating. Yeah. So one Mm -hmm. of the things is. You start asking every day 30 times a day, Chuck, could you get me an Uber Chuck, I'm running late could you give me an hour uh, help on my project Chuck can you can you get Betsy to get me a, a, a ticket for Europe can and you just start asking for little things and all of a sudden what you realize is that ninety percent of the time you're getting yeses. Well you're going to shift your paradigm now from I'm alone and no one wants to help me succeed and all of a sudden you know what people do want want me to succeed. People are willing to help. People actually are gracious. People actually, it's a whole different dynamic, but it doesn't happen one time. We all know neuroscience, right? Neuroplasticity is a new behavior, repetitive over a period of time. And as we try these new things, right, we get this new insight that, oh, people actually will help me. So now will liberate trying new new ideas. So maybe instead of asking you to sharpen my pencil, I'd ask you, do you think that you could get me tickets to the Knicks game? I know that your dad is in that, he's in advertising and he's got all the, I would never think to ask that, but why not? He might, maybe, would you like to go with me? So what would happen if you went from this fear of, other people in their opinion and you went to bold audacious disruptive not rebellious but just decided to go out there and really shoot for what you want how would your life go from maintenance to extraordinary i think that's that's critical and if you do that as a leader you will show up as a mentor to others And they're going to have a more spectacular life too. That's why you want to do it. It's for the number one, I think, idea of leader is developing more leaders. It's not getting a better bottom line. This is the Wall Street sickness, right? This is the Wall Street default virus. But you have people, for example, like Jeff Bezos, who told Wall Street, I don't really care. I'm not giving you analyst calls, I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to build a business for the long haul and he lost money for over a decade and everybody stuck with him so what did he prove he basically proved that that gatekeeper wall street mentality you don't have to do it in order to be successful so how do we start to think differently
0: you know and 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 if it's time for you to start thinking differently, a great thing you can do is go sign up for Dan's webinar. I know I'm going to, and uh, just click the link beneath this video. And if you're listening on a podcast, click the link there and come join us and let's let's dive deeper into this because, like you said, when we start to think differently, we're going to act differently, and when we act differently, we're going to get different results. And uh, you know, this what we're really talking about here is growing ourselves. And in the result of growing ourselves, our businesses will grow. But it's really an expression of ourselves. And that is something that I have said repeatedly on this show, that our business only grows to the extent that we do. And uh, and 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 so I love this theme so much. And I wish I could talk to you all day about this, Dan, um, but I, I really love the depth in terms of uh, how we've uh, talked about this. So uh, now one thing I want to get to before we bring this episode into a close, because this has just been amazing. You know, we're talking about growth. We're talking about growing ourselves. We're talking about changing our paradigms. So much of my journey, uh, the experiential stuff for sure that you're talking about, but books have also been very, very helpful. There's a lot of great, you know, great, lot of great books out there that have been helpful in my journey. So I wanted to ask you if you had a must-read book recommendation that you know, if somebody was to take you up on that recommendation today, could potentially be a game changer in in their life as well.
1: Yeah, I'll leave you with a couple of ideas. So one is a book by Viktor Frankl called *Man's Search for Meaning*. And Viktor Frankl was subject to uh, Nazi Germany and Auschwitz. He lost his wife. He lost his siblings. He lost his parents and somehow was able to survive and really speaks to the meaning of suffering and how how having an attitude of meaning can get you through almost anything. So I love that book. Another one that I have is one called On Becoming a Person by Carl Rogers. And so here's a little phrase. All of us are, want to be accurately seen in the here and now with positive regard, consistently and unconditionally. Yeah. So if that's our deepest yearning, if I can meet you where you are, not with unconditional love and non-judgment, I can actually experience what you are and I don't need to own your experience. And the last thing I would leave you with is Heidegger's memorial address. And he speaks to, will technology own us or will or will we own the technology? And I think in the world we're in today, the technology is owning us. And I think we need to kind of put that in reverse.
0: Oh, absolutely, we do. Uh, three great recommendations. And and what I also, I, I mentioned this before we did the interview, I started asking this question of our guests, and I get very, I, I always thought I was going to hear the same books over and over and over again, and uh, it just hasn't been true. And you just mentioned three books that no other guest has mentioned uh, in over 80 episodes. So there you go. Uh, you, you heard it here first, folks, and we put the links down below in this video and in the podcast show notes so that you can go check out those books as well i know i'm going to and while you're there go register for dan's webinar and uh, the link is all there as well uh dan thank you so much uh i really appreciated um everything you had to share with uh with us today and uh again it just gets us thinking about how do we think and differently as a person And not just focused on business strategy and tactics and numbers and all of that thing that we get into the weeds in our business uh, all the time. So I really appreciate it's been a refreshing conversation with that. And as we bring this episode to a close, if you were to leave our audience with just one final piece of advice or words of wisdom, what would you say to them?
1: Within each of us, there is an inner genius. And I would just ask you to, as you're doing your daily or weekly meditation, why are you here? Why now? And what gift are you here to deliver?
0: Beautiful. Those are great words. What gift are you here to deliver? That Those are words to my ears. It's the people that I like to work with. Uh, If you are on a big mission uh, and you're you're and and most people are trying to change the world in some way, that is who uh, this is, who this is for. And so as we sign off uh, and thank our guest Dan for being here today, I want you to think of one thing that you heard here today and uh, and an action step that you can take today to uh, change your paradigm to change the results that you are experiencing. Maybe it's to check out the books that Dan recommended. Maybe it's to sign up for his webinar. Maybe it's something else that you've been putting off doing, um, saying to your partner, saying to your kids, I mean, after all, this is all about the relationships that we have in our life and not so much about the pursuit of a gazillion dollars and a big and a big business. Usually does come back to some relationship that uh that we you know person that we have a relationship with so thank you so much for being our loyal listeners uh this has been the creative collaboration show with chuck anderson my guest has been dan silberberg and uh, we'll see you on the next one thank you everyone this episode is brought to you by the collaborators toolkit if you're looking for better ways to grow and scale your business through collaborations and strategic partnerships Our free collaborators toolkit contains the best resources from our workshops as well as contributions from our guests. These tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for to solve everyday business challenges and to access highly effective ideas that can grow your business exponentially. The best part is that these resources, tools, and templates are completely free and our gift to you for being a valued member of our community and a subscriber to our show. You can get free instant access to the Collaborators Toolkit today by visiting our website at www.collaboratorsunite.com forward slash toolkit. That address again is www.collaboratorsunite.com slash toolkit. Register today and I'll see you on the inside.